Hey hustlers, welcome to the Hustle Show audio experience. Real, no filter conversations with successful entrepreneurs where we go over the harsh truth nobody told you about being an entrepreneur. And now, your host, Christian Ariola. Hey hustlers, welcome to another episode, episode number 49 of the Hustle Show. Super excited to have you here listening to another amazing story that we're going to share with you. And and I'm just, you know, I'm pumped because of everything that's happening right now, everything that's 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 happening at the Hustle Show. And for me to be able to share another amazing story and for you to actually take the time to play it, to listen to it and to keep keep motivating other people as well as we continue here the journey. So before we begin, I want to make sure that either you're new to the show or you simply haven't done it yet. Right now is the perfect moment to hit the subscribe button, whether you're watching this in our YouTube channel or you are tuning in in our podcast experience, make sure you hit it right now, subscribe, as we will continue to create top-notch motivational content. So today's guest is another one of those crazy stories that we have, and we're super excited to have Max Finn with us. He has turned a passion of entrepreneurialism, Facebook marketing, and e-commerce into a successful career as a digital marketer. So I'm excited because that's a little bit about my background as well. So I'm excited to have him on the show and to hear more about his his new project, Unicorn Innovations. You know, he's been an entrepreneur for over 10 years. Uh, he launched his first startup called Loop and was a uh, complete success. So just just want to hear more about the story and everything that is going on with Max. So welcome to the ho- to the Hustle Show, Max. It's good to be here, man. Let me let me correct you real quick. So my, my first startup was we, we did a lot of things right. We also made a lot of mistakes. So complete success is, uh, <laughs> I don't want people thinking you make, a, you make a startup out of college and, and it's complete success. So we, we made lots and lots and lots of mistakes with that uh, venture. We did a lot of things right, but uh, more than happy to talk more about that today as well, because mistakes and- are important. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's why. That's exactly why you're here too, man. I mean, we all make mistakes. We all learn from from everything that we messed up, and and that's part of the journey. So I think I think you just hit the right first spot to talk about. You know, what's the story there? What are those some of those mistakes from the first startup? Sure. So like, I'll I'll give my my background up to that startup, and we can keep going from there. Um, I actually like that format because when I do so many of these, and it's like. You do the same story over and over again, and it takes like 15 minutes to do my whole background. So let's let's take it up to college, and then we'll talk about some cool things there, and then we'll go up to to modern day. Um, you know, I was super fortunate because my grandpa's an entrepreneur, my dad's an entrepreneur, so I come from a family where like I I knew that world, I knew what that was like, I knew the benefits and also the drawbacks there. Um, most people don't have that. They're uh, the vast majority of kids grow up with two parents who work nine to five jobs and they've been at the same company for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And that's all, you know, you go to high school, you go to college and you focus on like, Hey, I'm going to do a nine to five job. And it's not told maybe they get to high school or college, maybe outside of college, but they see like, Hey, I have an idea. Like I can make a business. Like I can start a business. I can be my own boss. Like I, there are so many things that come from that. And unfortunately you get to that point, you get anchors, right? Like each, each step of your journey through your life, you get an anchor. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like these anchors are usually really good things, but they they make it harder to switch. So uh, getting a house, having kids, getting each one of those things uh, makes it harder to make the switch and say like, I'm going to leave my six-figure job to go start a business, right? The, the risk gets bigger each step. Whereas we're, with me, like 
I knew that's what I wanted to do because that's what my grandpa did, my dad did, and that's the path I knew I wanted to take. So I was able to start making those moves and making those steps much, much earlier when I was much more risk tolerant and had nobody depending on me. I had a college dorm room. Like I had no assets. I had nothing. Like if I lost it all, like that was nothing. Um, so I started my first, my first company while I was still in college um, with a, a friend of mine, Nick Haas. We had lived across the hall from each other at Emory before I transferred. And uh, basically we were a kind of a long tail influencer platform. We help connect brands with the everyday person, not the big influencers, but like you and I, and just people listen to this and allow them to incentivize them to create content. So like Domino's and Adobe and these brands could run daily or weekly or monthly campaigns, incentivizing things like taking a photo with a product, uh, sharing this on Facebook, sharing this on Twitter, and people could get cash, they could get promo codes, they could get all kinds of stuff. Um, and so it really helped brands create a ton of content, a ton of UGC, which is really important. And it also helped them build loyalty, have a great rewards platform. Uh, we, we you know, raised a few million dollars in venture capital funding after friends and family. It was about a three-year venture. We went through so many challenges as non-tech founders. Probably the biggest thing is, <laughs> this is what's crazy about being an entrepreneur. Like, you do things without thinking about whether you can do them or not. Like you just say, I'm going to do it. And so right. we were two business marketing people who wanted to create a mobile platform for connecting brands and influence. Like we wanted to do this. We're like, we're going to do it. But we had no idea how to code. I didn't know how to build an iPhone app, an Android app, web platform. And we spent probably the first six to nine months just getting screwed by contract, like independent contractor after independent contractor. Some that just straight up took our money and never delivered anything, disappeared. Some who delivered a product, but it was terrible. And um, that was like our first big thing, which is finding the right people uh, was, is really, really, really challenging, especially when you're uh, in an industry that you're not fluent in. It's like going to a different country and trying to open a business there. Like you don't speak the language, you don't understand the customs, you don't know what you're doing. It's hard enough to start a business. Right. Um, so yeah. that, that was the first big thing. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I mean, sometimes, you know, you hear everywhere, uh, you know, you, you as an entrepreneur, you say yes, and then you try to figure it out later, which is fine. But then when that figure out later comes in, it's like, shit, and now I really need to figure it out. So what were those, uh, you know, once you overcome the, the issue there with the technology and the platform, what was, what was that like starting the actual business once you had the product in place? Sure. So the, the thing I, I hate most about, I hate the strong word, but I, I dislike the most about Silicon Valley and the startup world, which is where I, I came from. And I, I still love it. There's so much innovation and cool stuff, but the problem with running a, like a, a startup versus what I do today, um, even though they're both startup businesses, is the model in Silicon Valley and Boston, New York, and these different hubs, Israel and stuff, it's like acquire as much momentum and users as possible and then figure out how to make money. Mm -hmm. and, and that is such a... I didn't realize until after I got out of that world, like how crazy that is to run a business that way, where like it is so easy nowadays to make money in terms of like, you can put up an e-com story, you could dropship. There's so many ways to like start a business with nothing and generate profits day one that the mindset of like doing the opposite, which is invest as much cash as possible to grow as fast as possible and acquire as many users and then figure it out is, is terrifying. And, and that's still the way a lot of companies operate in Silicon Valley. And so that was like, 
that's how we ran the business was, okay, we'll figure out how to make money down the road. We just need to keep growing our user base, keep adding features and features and features and kind of a race to the top in terms of like the, the end platform we wanted. Um, what's, what's exhausting about that is you need the money from somewhere, which means you need to raise capital and raising money is, I've done it a lot um, for, for how young I am. It is one of the most stressful and exhausting and draining things you can do because you're literally on the road nonstop. You're going city to city, office to office, asking for money. Like literally you're just, you're going to offices where people have a lot of money. You're saying, Hey, here's our idea. Like we need your money. And it is such a, a bad position to be in um, when you need something like it is, it's, it's just not a great spot you want to be in. You want to be in a position where you don't need anything and people are coming to you, um, which is what venture capital so angel investors have. Like you need what they have. They don't need what you have. And so that's exhausting. It's draining. It also takes you away from running the business, right? Like if you're on the road, both partners raising money for the business, somebody's got to be growing the business. And, uh, and that was a big challenge is like, uh, kind of balancing those two things. We need to raise more money to keep paying all our employees and keep them making features and keep, you know, the fridges stocked and the beanbag chairs, all the stuff you expect in the startup office. But we also need to get that money from somewhere. And so we gotta, we gotta do this. And, um, I'm very happy we don't have to do that anymore because that's, that's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds exhausting. I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's how that world rocks and, and that's how they're doing things. But at the same time, I want to hear more a little bit about what was going on in your mind when, when you were trying to figure out things for your first startup, like you were trying to overcome the challenges, the, 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 you know, trying to raise the funds, going through everything. What was going on in your mind with your mindset, with everything that you would, you, that you were thinking and doubting about yourself? Yeah. I mean, you, you have as an entrepreneur, this, we're, we're all a little different from the normal, the rest of the population. And that like, even when things like the odds are totally stacked against us and like most people would just crack and be like, I'm out of it. Like I'm going, I'm going to go get a job. I don't care if I work at Quiznos. Like I just, I don't want to be in this anymore. Like this is, it's crazy. We, we have this like little voice that says like, it's going to work out. Like you can do it if you just keep pushing. And I don't know if it's crazy or what, what it is, but um, you have that in the back of your mind. So I kind of always had that. Like I knew it was going to work out. Like I knew I was going to be successful at some point. I didn't know when, like, I didn't know if it was going to be this startup or 10 years from then, which is what it ended up being. But I knew like, I'm doing what I love to do. I'm having fun doing it. I, I know I would rather, I would rather in a, doesn't matter what universe be broke and doing what I love than have money be comfortable and go to a job from nine to five every day that I hate. Like that, that is one thing that I know for a fact that has never changed since in college from the days I had zero money and couldn't pay rent to today. Like you could not pay me enough money to get up every morning at seven or eight, get in the car, drive somewhere, build somebody else's dream. Just, basically go through the numbers, check out at five, go home and disconnect. Like I just, I can't, I can't even fathom that. Um, and I know it's a majority of people, that's how they operate, but like I, I couldn't fathom that. So in my mind, that's what was happening. It's like I, I stuff's stressful. We're encountering challenges, but we're going to figure out a way um, 
or like the worst that happens is we fail, right? Like that's the other thing is you don't die. There's, there's no, like the worst thing that happens is you got to try something else. Like I know there's, that has big implications. If you have a company, you got to fire people, you got to let people off. But at the end of the day, like you're, you still have your intelligence, you still have your skills and your talents, you still have your determination and passion, and you're going to find it out. You're going to figure out what that is. It's going to connect at some point. It might be this startup, maybe the next one, maybe five companies from now. But, um, but I'm a huge, huge believer that like, as long as you keep doing what you love and you're passionate, it's the success is going to come. Um, so that's, I always had that back in my mind, no matter how like dark it got. And no matter how, like, I had to kind of hold it together for everybody else on the outside, um, like deep down, I kind of always had that with the kind of, with that startup at least early on. That makes sense. And I know it's a tough journey too. So, uh, you know, I'm proud of everything that you've achieved and that you went through it and you were able to survive it. What do you think is what it's, it's been one of the worst moments that you went as an entrepreneur? <laughs> there, there's a lot of worst moments. Um, you know, we've, we've dealt with, and I think we, my partner, Jeremy and myself, um, has been my best friend and business partner for the last few years. We've been through like five or six partner buyouts. We've been through a lot of disputes, a lot of internal strife. So there, there are, there's so many things I could go down of like specific instances. I would say like the, the biggest and the earliest issue that I encountered as the founder, um, was loot my very first company, um, we were just, we had just returned from Chicago. We flew to Chicago to meet with our, we turned out to be our first professional money investor. Um, had a great meeting with his team. We met at the, the Chicago um, uh, Commodities Exchange building where they film, you know, CNBC films on there it was awesome. And he's a hedge fund, big money guy. And he was like super impressed. And we sold him basically. He got us a term sheet. Um, and we came back. And by that point we had hired a CTO who had a lot more experience. He had a team, he was the expert. And it was a great fit. And he basically said, well, hey, this is great, but I want to renegotiate and I want to vest all my stock options. I want to raise. Basically, he, he blackmailed us and tried to, blackmail is a strong word, but he tried to leverage that situation to get an incredible deal for himself because he knew like, hey, if the CTO walks and this guy's about to invest, you know, a big chunk of money to this company without a CTO, like he's going to pull the deal. So they're not going to, they're not, you know, they're not going to call my bluff. And um, we decided, my partner Nick and I, that like we're we're gonna lose at some point. So if we if we let him do this, we then have a culture where we have a CTO who's a person like this, like that is this type of person, and it's gonna hurt us ten times bigger in the long run if we don't nip it right now. And um, we made the hard decision, but it was the right decision to call his bluff and say, well, we're not doing that. So you can either keep your investing schedule for stock options, keep your salary and help us build this thing, or we'll have to call it quits and, you know, uh, you can leave the company. And so we basically fired him. And luckily we were able to sell the vision and that we could keep it going to our investor. We had our lead developer kind of step up and take that role. We met our deadlines, executed, and our investor believed in us and, um, and closed the round. So we, we made it through. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned is like sometimes the, the right decision is the hardest one. Um, and so a lot of people would have let him basically get what he wanted because they would have thought the alternative of not getting the money was the worst thing that possible that could happen. But the reality is that like 
letting that person get what they wanted is a slippery slope. Cause then they know as soon as you do that once you've given them carte blanche to say, well, Hey, I have so much, I have enough power to basically get whatever I want because they need me. And that is not what you want. Like that is going to be so much more dangerous in the long run. So um, we learn early on, fortunately that like, Hey, the, the tough decision, the decision that seems like it's the biggest consequences right now in the long run is usually the right decision. That definitely sounds like a pretty tough, you know, tough moment to go through, not only on the decision part, but basically, I mean, everything that was going on around you, that was that was crazy. And I really appreciate you sharing and being honest with everybody that is listening right now. So, yeah. you know, fast forward many years. I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. What are you working on right now? What's what? How did you go from what you were doing before to this point and this um, unicorn craziness that you have going on? Sure. So. Um about, you know, kind of between then and now, I've done a lot of things, I've launched e-commerce stores, done, uh, you know, all kinds of consulting and coaching and all kinds of stuff in between now and then and, and been a part of a bunch of other companies. But the, the trend that was consistent from then to now was, you know, I'm super passionate about direct response advertising. I love the, the concept that I can put a message in front of a specific person at a specific time of day saying a specific thing and motivate that person to take their wallet out of their back pocket, take their credit card out and buy something like that. We take that for granted as marketers and business owners that every day we're, we're taking people that don't know us and building enough value that they're able to do that. Um, and it's, it's crazy. It, it's, it's an incredible feeling that you're able to do that and help people. And so um, I had started a, a digital marketing agency with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank with my partner, Jeremy, uh, Quantum Media. And we worked together for about a year and a half, growing that agency. We worked with companies like 3M and Samsung, you know, big, big brands. We also worked with a lot of different product companies. Kevin's involved in tons of deals, being the original shark from Shark Tank. And uh, we got to the tail end, and we kind of Jeremy and I realized, like, you know, what we wanted to do didn't really align with what they wanted to do. We still do deals with them. We still have a great relationship, but we just had different visions. And we we kind of said, Hey, listen, we want to do this. You guys want to do this. Let's kind of split ways. We'll do deals together, but like do what we love to do. And, and from that day, we started Unicorn Innovations, which is a kind of holdings company that owns a few different things. And so we are very, very selective with who we work with on the client side. We have a very, very small number of clients. Um, and we've honestly done it that way on purpose. We just, we charge more than anybody else, um, and we initially did that just to weed people out because we didn't want more clients and people kept offering to pay it. And so we kept raising the prices. And that that's what I said before about like how magnetic not needing money is. It's, it's really incredible. And I, like, I've seen it happen again and again, when you do not need somebody's money or what they're offering, they want it. They want to, they want to give you their money. Like it, it's so incredible. It's as soon as you say like, listen, we're not taking on clients. We just don't have the time. We're too busy. And you know, we're really expensive. Like people will, will keep raising the stakes because they will, how much will it take? Um, and it's incredible. We've seen it happen again and again, because we keep raising our prices. So we work with a handful of clients um, and they're, they're big seven figure companies because we just, the, the amount we charge stuff makes sense to manage, you know, six figure a month budgets on Facebook. What I, what I realized is like the consulting and the, the like client side of the business isn't scalable. We tried the agency route scaling an agency is 
really, really exhausting. It's very, very tough. It's a, a labor business. So you got to really hire and have a lot of overhead, a lot of personnel to scale a service-based businesses. And so we realized, Hey, well, what we can scale is like content. So we can create courses and trainings and we can, I can spend two months creating a course and it doesn't matter whether one person watches it or 10,000 people watch it. It's the same amount of time for me. And so we did our first Facebook ads course. We released it in August and it was a huge success. We've done seven figures on that funnel and, um, and it's built a really, really cool group and tribe of my students. And it's been so rewarding seeing the strategies and the stuff that I teach change people's businesses. So we're really doubling down on the educational side of the business and Unicorn IQ is going to be an entire kind of training platform. So we just actually came out with our AdWords course today from our Google AdWords partner. We're coming out with an incredible LinkedIn course from a woman who works directly with corporate LinkedIn on some of their platforms. Um, we're coming out with an Amazon course. So we're just coming out with incredibly high level trainings from the best people in the world. And, and uh, it, it's exciting because what I, what I will say about this entire space of like courses and trainings and stuff is that one, it's, um, it's been tarnished, tarnished hardware, but it's definitely been negatively impacted by a, a lot of people because there are a lot of people in the space who realize, Hey, it's an easy way to make money. It's super high margin. It's my it's an info product. And I can just watch other people's courses and go to other events, take their content and ideas, make my own and sell it. And so a lot of people have been burned. They've got low quality stuff, outdated stuff. And so when I decided to make this course, the condition for me was, cause I, I put it off for a very long time cause I hate the market that like, I'm only going to do it if there's also a, a level of personal interaction with my students, meaning that courses are a dime a dozen. There are plenty of great courses out there for plenty of great people that I know, but I spend time every single week inside my private Facebook group going live with my students, auditing their ads, answering their questions, like talking about trends and updates. And that is the X factor. Like that is the value, not the course, because, you know, a course is an appreciating asset, meaning as soon as it's created, everything that happens after that point, platform change, industry change is not captured in that content. So it becomes less and less valuable every day that goes by. The training is real time, it's personal. Um, and so that's where like the, the big wins happen. That's where people are getting the, the, the tips and the strategy and the tactics that actually move the needle on their business because it's personalized to their business. You can't make a course that's personalized for everybody's business, right? right. Somebody might have an e-commerce store for women's fashion. Somebody might be selling car parts. Somebody might be selling mastermind tickets and they're all buying these courses. And you as a course instructor, I can't make content that's specific for all of them. I got to make it broad and general, but that's not super useful for a lot of people. They need like, okay, you tell me all this cool stuff. Like how can I actually use it to sell more car parts to sell more mastermind tickets? Like here's my ads, here's my landing page, but it's not working. Why is it not working? And that's where we really like focus and shine. That's where the brutal value and the magic happens. That's awesome. That makes sense. And and it's fascinating to me, everything that's going on in the online marketing world with the funnels and the Facebook ads and all the craziness. And I do want to ask you, you know, from, from all the experience and years that you have in entrepreneurship, 
and trying different things, different projects and different products. What do you think is the one secret to your success that got you to where you are right now? That's, that's a great question. Um, so I, I would say it's, it's the secrets. It's, there's three big things. Cause it's hard to just like dial down to, to one thing. It's going to be super useful for everybody. Um, so the first is like persistence. I never like stopped. I never gave up. And that is really, really critical because a lot of young marketers and entrepreneurs that are getting into the market and I see them every day, they see the top people. They see the Russell Brunsons and the Adrian Morrison and the Chris Record and, and Ezra Fireson and all these people up here. And they just, a lot of them, they're pretty young. They're, you know, in their late 20s, 30s and stuff. And they just think like they just decided one day I'm going to start doing this. And the next day they were there. Like they don't see the decade, two decades of work that it took to become that person. They don't hear the stories. They don't know them. I've gotten to know a lot of these people over the last year. A lot of friends of mine now, and we do deals together. And I now know a lot of their stories. And like, I don't, I have yet to meet a single millionaire or billionaire that like did one thing and instantly made money. Like it doesn't exist. Those, there's not a single example of somebody that decided one day I'm going to start doing this. And the next month they were a millionaire or had a hundred thousand dollars bank account. Just doesn't happen. Doesn't exist. And so knowing that, like going back to what I said earlier, that I'm doing what I love, I'm having fun doing it, and I know that I'm good at what I'm doing and that will real, there'll be some way to really realize that value at some point. And if I just keep doing it, like it is going to happen. It's got to be a labor of love though, because you, it's not, it could be a year, it could be five years, it could be 10 years for some people, it could be 15 years before that value is realized, before all the hard work really starts to pay off. But what I can tell you is that when it does start to pay off, it is a domino effect. Like the last nine months for me, more has happened in the last nine months in terms of business success than 10 years. Like in terms of just like money, money generated, connections made, opportunities gained. So what I can say is that like the success might take a long time to reach, but when you do start to get to that tipping point and you get that lucky break and you, you execute, dominoes do start to fall and they do fall fast. And each one leads to kind of bigger domino. Um, that is without a doubt what happens. I've seen that happen consistently over the last few years. So that's, that's one is just persistence. And like, if you know what you're doing is what you love, keep doing it. Do not give up. Don't quit. Um, because you don't know if that next month you were going to meet the right person to get the right opportunity. Like that is the one thing you don't want to look back 10 years from now and be like, I gave up too short. And somebody else I knew that wasn't as good as me is doing it. And they're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Um, two is specialized. I know it's really, really tempting to early on when you need to make money to like try to do it all. Like, Hey, this business owner, they hired me to do Facebook ads, but they also need a website. They need SEO. They need social media management. And like, I can do all that. So instead of delegating or outsourcing, I'll just try to do it all myself. And they take the quick cash grab up front. They get burnt out really, really quickly. You get overwhelmed with work. Your skill, your kind of expertise, your X factor, you lose that because you're spread across everything. And what I can tell you is there's, there's no like billionaire generalists. There, there's nobody out there that's like a billionaire because they were kind of good at all things. Like it just doesn't exist. Right. So I would rather focus on one or two things and be the best in the world than try to be kind of okay and get by at 
20 things or 30 things. So know what you're great at, know what you're passionate about and just do it every day. Focus on that, ignore everything else. And if you need to find partners, right? Like we have partners that do everything. If somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I need community management. I need native advertising. I need payment processing. I need fulfillment and logistics. I need somebody to prototype stuff. We know somebody that's the best that does that. And we refer them and we collect referral fees, right? I would rather make, you know, passively 10, 20 grand a month just by referring stuff out to partners than a hundred to 200 grand by trying to do it all yourself, like all day long. Um, and then the third thing is find like mentors, coaches, invest in masterminds and trainings. Don't be the smartest person in your circle. Like if you right now, you're the most successful kid or person in your tribe, you are in the wrong tribe. And it happens a lot like right after school where you switch from like in high school and college, you want to be the quarterback captain, the president, you know, you want to be the top, right? But that becomes a huge, huge anchor when you get into the real world, because being the top means that the only place to go is down. If everybody else in your social circle is in your professional circles below you, you're not increasing your IQ, your intellect, you're not broadening your, your reach, your network. And that's why you often see, and it could be anecdotal, but I, I, I have seen it kind of consistently, like usually like the prom queen and the quarterback and like those people are the ones that like the school reunions who were like, didn't leave their town are doing the same thing, like never excelled. Um, obviously the, the, that's not the factor. There's plenty of quarterback captains out there that went out to do great things, but, um, but it, it can be a hindrance to success early on can be like a really, really bad thing. Um, so like this past year, Jeremy, and myself invested over a hundred thousand dollars in masterminds and trainings. And we have already made like a two to three X multiple on that just in the last like two months from the relationships and direct business we've gotten from those masterminds and trainings. And everywhere we go, there's always people in our like, direct room that are oh, like doing things way above us that are doing eight figures or nine figures or 10 figures. And it's like, I'm learning everywhere I go. I'm learning. I'm, I'm getting value. I'm improving myself and I'm moving up. Right. And so that's really, really, really important to surround yourself with more successful and smarter people. And I know that's hard, especially when you're young, like to remove the ego and say, it's okay to not be the smartest, to not be the most successful. Right. That's totally okay. And in fact, those are the people that end up winning in the long run because you're going to pick up things and connections and stuff that are going to help take your career to the next level. That's awesome, man. Those really, are three things, yeah. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the gold nuggets there. I think you hit a lot of, of, of really cool tips and, and tricks on the, you know, on the journey that you definitely picked up. And I, I hope everybody that is listening right now, you know, they pay attention because I, I, I see it, you know, I'm, I'm on the journey as well. And I see that every day and, and you see the effect of everything that you just mentioned. So it's awesome. Yeah. And I want to change gears a little bit here, talking about your story to what I like to call the hustle round. We're going to play this little word game. Um, I'm going to throw a word at you. And the very first word that comes to mind, that's the one you're going to say out loud. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Hustle. Money. Employee. Headache. Boss. Me. College. Valuable. Fear. Useless. Weakness. 
shit. I was going. I was I was on a roll, and then I hit weakness. <laughs> weakness. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I totally lost my rhythm there on on weakness. Let, let's skip that one. We can All right. Back to it Strength. Marketing. Motivation. Necessary. Books. I wish to read them was was one word we could <laughs> we'll, we'll combine that. We'll do read dash them. Okay, cool. And last but not least, Max Finn. That's a good I like I like this game you're doing. This is good. It gets people thinking. <laughs> yeah. Max. And you like how I just bought myself time by complimenting you. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say visionary. Awesome. That's it, man. You survived. I survived. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had one for what was it? It was weakness. weakness. So the, the irony there is that like weak the the word weakness caused me to to fail that thing. Just being like even hearing the word weakness, um, it, it causes issues. Yeah. I'd say everyone has them though. So that's unfortunately that's not one word, but but we got it. All right, cool. So yeah. to everybody that is listening to us right now, I, I know you've been dropping some really cool bombs and, and very useful tips, but in a few in a few seconds, what would you say for people that are starting their business? They're not at the point where they want to be, or they have a job and they want to you know leave their 905 to focus on entrepreneurship full time. What would you say to them to inspire them to keep hustling, to keep pushing? Sure, I would I'd say... You know, like I talked about earlier in the um, in the interview, it's you know, I, I would rather be making substantially less money, but doing what I love every day. I think that is just, it's so much healthier for you in the long run. You're going to be so much happier, and that's going to spill over into the rest of your life. That every every relationship you have, everything you touch, um, and the truth is, and I know this this is tough a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, but the, our, our parents and our grandparents and great grandparents lived and everyone beyond them had this mindset that if I am loyal to a single company for my entire life, and maybe I don't love what I do, but I'm loyal to them. And I put in the, the 30, 40 years, at least I have security and stability so I can retire and I have a pension and I have, you know, my, my kind of treasure chest in the road that got obliterated in 2008, 2009, like that whole thinking like we weren't protected we don't have like we're not gonna have social security like when you and i retire there will be no government safety net there, there won't be anything there for us we're already that that bank account's already overdrafted there's no money even in there right now for people that are retiring today so probably our parents won't even have that so like you need to take control of your future like nobody's going to help you and I, that's i know that's like very negative but it's I'd rather tell you to now than, than wait to find it out. Like the government's not going to help you. Your company's not going to help you. When you retire at 65, if you have not like put in the work and built your own kind of treasure chest, if you haven't built your own savings and stuff, like you are going to be working until you die. And that is, that's really, really sad. Um, and I see it all the time. You go to the supermarket, you go to you know different places and there's like an 80 year old woman bagging groceries. Like she didn't plan for that. She probably worked at the same company for 30, 40 years and her 
savings got evaporated in the recession and she can barely survive off, you know, social security. And she has to work a job at 80 years old. I mean, she should be enjoying her life. So it is, what I would say is like, not, can you afford to take the risk of starting your own business, but can you afford to take the risk of not doing it? Like, I think it's way riskier to just like hope and pray like, okay, I'm going to go to work nine to five every day. And when I retire, it'll all work out. Like that way of thinking is so much riskier than pursuing your passion and going on your own. Right. And you don't have to take the big step today. Like you don't have to cut it off and just leave your company today and say, Hey, screw you guys. I'm starting my own business. Like there are plenty of people that I know that are even my students group that started an e-commerce store. They're doing some affiliate marketing. Like they're, they're dabbling in areas. They still have their income from the primary job, but they're, you know, they're investing here, they're investing here, they're trying some things out and they're seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, but what I can say is the best thing to do today is to invest in trainings, like, like join a mastermind, join a group coaching program, like start consuming knowledge, read more books. There's a lot of free knowledge out there too. There's a lot of great Facebook groups, right? Um, like we have Unicorn IQ Hub, which is a great group that I'll plug, but there are plenty of groups out there. Like if you want to do Facebook ads, Facebook ad buyers, it's 50,000 person group. It's great. There's a ton of Facebook groups out there. Digital marketer puts out all kinds of free content. Facebook blueprint has a great thing. So there's, there's levels, right? You don't have to buy a $20,000 mastermind to start. You can start with free content, start learning, improve your skill sets, and then you can join, you know, a training program. Then you can maybe join a coaching program, then a mastermind, like, but you need to take that step. Cause if you don't take that step um, and you also don't invest, uh, I'm a big believer, and you probably relate to this. Like when you get stuff for free, you just don't like, you don't respect it as much as you do when you pay for things. So like somebody gives you a free book, like I get free books all the time when I go to events. I never read them because it's free. Like I just, I didn't pay money for it. I don't value it because I didn't pay for it. When I join a $20,000 mastermind, I show up because I spent $20,000 to be part of this. Like I'm going to maximize every little thing. I'm going to go to every event. I'm going to be online. I'm going to interact network. So like investing is like a surefire way to ensure you actually show up and put the work in. If you just try to do all free stuff, you don't put the effort in because it's free. There's no skin in the game. So you do need to put skin in the game at some point, um, but it doesn't have to be a overnight thing. It can be a process. Yep. That's totally true. And before we wrap up, is there a way that people can connect with you, find out more about what you're doing, what you're up to and, and everything that's involved around you? Sure. Yeah. So if you go to unicorninnovations.com, that's our parent website. It has my info, Jeremy's info. Um, if you're interested in any of our training programs, you can go to unicorniq.co. That's our course platform site. Um, you can learn more about our training groups, our free programs, our paid stuff, everything there. And if you want to um, just get a lot of free content, just join our Facebook group, Unicorn IQ Hub. It's our free group. And uh, we do, I share tons of content there. Every Monday, we have an expert on that does an interview, shares a ton of value. Um, we're adding more stuff every day to have like a full week of just like crazy experts in the space sharing content on a wide range of topics. So um, that's a good place to get started. Cool. Well, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, to all the hustlers that are listening to us right now. I appreciate everything, your honesty and everything that you shared today. And I wish you nothing but success, man. Thank you so much for, for being here. Of course, man. You have a good night. 
Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Hustle Show audio experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And even if you didn't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast right now. It's still free. Visit thehustleshow.co for all the show notes and to watch the video experience of this episode. We'll see you soon.